My name is Tom Chick, and you are listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for The Divide. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you. Yeah. So, uh, I am here with Christian Kowalski. Christian Ponza? Uh, horrible. And hopefully with a tagline that would be appropriate for the divide, Kelly Wand. This movie had the opposite of my undivided attention. <laughs> uh, so, let's see. The divide, you probably don't really know what that is, and I can't say I blame you. It's a limited release that I am... Uh, I'm going to have Dingus tell you a little bit about it. In case you haven't seen it, Dingus, what is this divide thing? Don't spoil it, of course. No. Of course, a lot of folks haven't seen it. That'll confuse the, the listener. Right. The so without guy. spoiling, <laughs> without spoiling it, Dingus, for people who maybe haven't seen it, why don't you tell us a little bit about the divide? All right. Well, this week we saw the divide, oh. also known in Germany as the fallout. What? <laughs> I'm not happy with that. That doesn't that that title doesn't translate to German, isn't it? Das Divide in Germany. Uh, the Fallout in Germany is a 2012 post-apocalyptic science fiction horror thriller movie mm. about survivors in a basement after a nuclear attack. Mm. The movie was directed by Xavier Jens and written by Karl Müller and Aaron Sheehan. Mm. It stars Lauren German. Michael Bean, Courtney B. Vance, Maelo Ventimiglia, and Rosanna Arquette. The Divide is rated NR. Whoa! Because wow. it has a lot of violence and language, but no bare breasts, so what are you going to do? Uh, pine. So maybe that's, I guess, when you're limited release, like Shame, for instance, or Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, you can be uh, unrated, can't you? Yes. Or they just What's didn't... Lauren German's name? And <laughs> Lauren Graham, uh, Lauren Pennsylvania Deutsch. Uh, so before we get into spoilers, let me tell you guys about the opening of the Divide. It's in exactly one and a half theaters in Los Angeles. Uh, I say a half theater because oh, we could have yeah. gone to a full theater last night. <laughs> we went to see the one theater where it's in a, uh, a normal scheduled. You know, there's several showings during the day. It's also at another theater only on midnight. I think on weekends. So this thing has a very limited release. So I don't have a lot to report about the box office because it is no doubt negligible. Uh, you can probably find the divide soon on DVD, video on demand, that sort of thing. Uh, but, however, The Divide has been uh, uh, rated. There are reviews for it, so it's on Metacritic and Rotten Tomato. Before I tell you about those, though, real quick, if you're a horror aficionado, you might recognize the uh, the name Anchor Bay. Uh, Anchor Bay does DVD releases of a lot of smaller cult films. Uh, they've been around for a while. Uh, this, The Divide, is part of their program to do some very limited theatrical releases. They're kind of dipping their toe in the water. Uh, and to give you a sense for what you are in for, uh, amongst the other theatrical releases that Anchor Bay has uh, fostered or shepherded or brought about earlier this year have been uh, a Dito Montel movie called Son of No One which is terrible. 
a first-time director uh, sort of murder mystery with um, oh, Dingus's favorite dude was uh, Sam Worthington. Uh, and Jessica uh. Chastain, and a poor lost Chloe Moritz, which seems to be her M.O. these days. A movie called Texas Killing Fields. That was an Anchor Bay release. Uh, a remake about a bunch of guys playing Russian roulette called 13 with Jason Statham. Uh, that was also an Anchor Bay release, yeah. Uh, and now The Divide. They have coming out later this month, Anchor Bay, in theaters, a movie called... And even if this is horrible, which I suspect it might be, I cannot wait to see it. Uh, Anchor Bay is releasing a movie called The Wicker Tree, which <laughs> is a sequel from the director of the original Wicker Man. It is a sequel to that. <laughs> so whatever the heck that's going to be, Anchor Bay will be bringing it to you. But not uh, the remake. It's a sequel to the original one, right? The, the remake was a studio property that landed in poor Neil LeBute's lap. And, yeah, so this is Robin Hardy, the guy who uh, directed – I don't know if he wrote it. I know he directed the original Wicker Man, but this is him writing and directing a sequel. I don't know what he's been doing since the original Wicker Man. He's got Christopher Lee. Uh, whatever the heck is going on, I'm, i I got to find out. I, I, who knows? Um, so, yeah, this has nothing to do with the, the uh, infamous Nicolas Cage movie. So uh, that's the kind of company that the divide is keeping right now. Uh, did well, you see Thirteen, Tom? Yes, I did. Yes, I saw the original. Uh, thing is, did Thirteen we see that at Sundance. Yeah, Thirteen. It's like Thirteen Zametti. Right? Yeah, it's like the it's like the Romanian word for Thirteen or something. It was a four. I, th- I want to say Eastern European. I don't know where it was actually made, but it's a foreign film uh, that was remade into a, an English language version that wasn't very good. Yeah, oh, mm. right. that's unusual. You don't There's see that a, a lot. An English language remake that sucks. <laughs> because they're easier to understand in English, so you would think that would be better. Uh, but, they also uh, make a lot domestically, I'm told. Uh, so uh, that uh, is the kind of, as I said, company that The Divide is keeping. Now, The Divide is not doing real well on the aggregates. If you go to Metacritic, uh, it's at 30%. Uh, that, that is the average review that it's getting, a 30% rating. If you go to Rotten Tomatoes, where you just want to look at what percentage of reviews are positive, 17%. Oh. Now, that's just critics at large. If you click on the little filter to uh, filter out only to show only top critics, right now the divide is at 0%. So uh, that's that's the percentage of positive reviews from quote unquote top critics. Uh, so uh, not doing not not faring very well. Uh, but let's see how it fares on this podcast tonight. Kelly Wand, for folks who haven't seen The Divide, why don't you spoil it by telling them exactly what happens in this movie? Oh, uh, the divisus, <laughs> the divisus. Fuck, I spoiled my own. <laughs> Let's, let's, yeah, what, what exactly are they getting again? Because there's two things there. I want you to give them the latter one that you just said. The Divisus. Yes, awesome. Even though that's not that's the title. <laughs> totally mangled it. By the way, while you were talking, I was thinking a cool way to boost the ratings for Russian roulette, like televised finals. Right. Um, you put a bullet in every chamber. And then you roll a die to see who goes first. So the audience will know when the die comes up. But then they're not like, oh, that was loud. Like, it takes away that annoyance. You guys shoot. Uh, that's one option. <laughs> I guess you could. 
The Divisus. So the deal with 13, it's a cool premise. Uh, and yeah. I recommend if anyone's interested in it, see the original, I don't know, Hungarian? I don't know what it was. Dingus, do you remember? Racist. No, I have no idea. You know, now I'm doubting myself. Maybe it's even a, a South American movie. But if you want to see 13, and I recommend it, see the original foreign language one. The concept, Kelly Wand, is that a bunch of men, you know what? It might mm. be 13 men. It might I'm be listening. 13, <laughs> 13, <laughs> Go on. 13 dudes show up. The, each dude right. is given a gun, you know, a revolver with six cylinders. There's one bullet in it. I know what a gun is, it. Tom. Uh, there's one bullet in it. They spin the chamber. They close it so they don't know that the bullet's going to fire. These 13 men each have a gun. They stand in a circle, a sort of a, imagine a human, <laughs> a human centipede where the ends can uh, Uroboros human centipede uh, minus the surgical procedure. And each man points the gun at the back of the head of the man in front of him. Uh, then a light bulb, I think a light bulb turns on, uh, a light, yeah, like the MC and everybody's betting on who's going to live. The MC turns on a light bulb and when it, in the center of the circle, and when everybody sees the light bulb come on, it comes on, he pulls the trigger and it's about this process of elimination until there are only so many men, uh, left over. And actually the best thing, <laughs> I just now remembering this, the best thing about the American uh, remake 13 is the guy who plays the MC who gets up on a ladder, uh, over all these 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 sweaty, nervous men with guns standing in a circle uh, is Michael Shannon. <laughs> he's doing his uh, yeah, he's doing his crazy Michael Shannon thing. He'd uh, be the smart money in a contest like that. I would think. He's uh, you know what he's the he's the best thing about that awful remake. Is so. the American one in black and white? Because I remember the oh no, it might have been it might have been Georgian. I don't know what it was, but it was Racist. it was in black and white, wasn't it? Yeah, it's in it's in beautiful black and white, and it definitely yeah. gave it a sort of a bleakness. Uh, no, no, the American one, full color. You know, it's a Jason Statham movie, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and it even gets into like this heisty kind of thing. Uh, Mickey works in it actually, and he's kind of okay. good. Like he, like he's fascinating to watch, but. Uh, yeah, it's 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 one of those classic. Hey, look what happens when you uh, hand this stuff over to Americans. Um, well, you don't need any athletic ability to to be good at Russian roulette. That's why walking so good at it in Deer Hunter. The, oh, you know what? And I actually this just in. I feel awful. The uh, and you're right, Dingus. It's a Georgian movie. The director of the American remake, the same director of the Georgian version. Oh, really? Yeah, it's, you, it's one it of those. Is a Georgian movie? Yeah, it's from Georgia, uh, you know, that former uh, Soviet Republic. Uh, and they apparently, the same guy did the English language remake. So I kind of feel bad now for slamming him. I don't want to see it in color. I, I, you know, it was it was like a foreign jury prize or something like that at Sundance. Yeah, yeah. And it was a nice little discovery, and it worked so well in black and white, you know. Yeah. Hmm. All right, like so, their dreams. So, Kelly Wan, thanks for that uh, derail. Very good. Oh, I speaking you. of Tom doubting himself, last night I paid Tom the $5 I lost to him last uh-huh. week on this podcast for mm-hmm. dumbly claiming that Quint was dead before the shark cage, <laughs> which made sense to me at the time for some reason. <laughs> right. And I promptly won it back last night. Did what happened. How did that happen? What are you talking about? <laughs> when Tom claimed that his favorite movie of 2011, Let Me In, an English language remake... Uh, made at least fifty million dollars domestically and one hundred fifty million internationally, which I should have bet on too. <laughs> now, so you're only off by about one hundred thirty million international. First of all, no, one hundred twenty-five. I was off by one hundred twenty-five million, not one hundred thirty million. Second of all, I want everyone to write in what is dumber. 
to think that Quint was a lot was dead when they're building the shark cage. It's pretty or, dumb. Or to bank on the stupidity of the movie going public. I want I want the listeners uh, to, sure to serve as our judge and jury, Kelly Wand. Okay, well they should keep in mind that the the dollar amount. Right. is relevant in both instances. Like Tom was wrong about 130. Well, Jaws probably made more money than that. I should leave math out of it. <laughs> uh, just suffice to say, Kelly Wand, as far as the gambling but, history between you and I, we are now at a net even. We're, we're like at a deadlock. Nobody. When, is, yeah. So. But here's the thing. Yes. Uh, Jaws, mm-hmm. like I, I just what's what's worse, not being able to picture Quint helping make a shark cage, which to me makes me cool, or seeing Let Me In and going, oh, this movie must have made, this movie must have been a huge hit with Americans because it's so good. Let Me In. I'm Tom Chick, and I love Let Me In. Okay, first of all, A, I hate Let Me In. You know that. B, you (laughs) had seen, you were acting on inside like you were like an inside trader. Like you were acting on an inside tip where you had seen a magazine article to the effect of, of pointing out that Let Me In was a bomb, which I did not know. So That's cheating to you. That's cheating, exactly, yes. To me, it's cheating that you watch Jaws every day, so fuck you. <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> All right, so Kelly right. Wand, let's have a division. I only mentioned that because it happened on the podcast, and it seemed... No, and, and I noticed you got a reference in before, and I just glossed over it because I figured no one would know what you were talking about, but now that you've explained it, it is fair game. I overestimated the public's uh, affection for a crappy horror film. You know bupkis about Jaws. <laughs> yeah. My sins are great. And then I followed it up with, I was I was getting cocky because I had right. broken even with you. Right. So when I, when we're leaving the restaurant, I hit my foot on the door and went, oh, my nose. And Tom didn't even see this happen, and I broke my foot doing it. And then I was, like, limping the rest of the night. So the moral of the story is I'm dumber physically, but let me in made 150. Okay, anyway. The division is. <laughs> To miss this. Rock and roll. Oh. I, I'm looking forward to hearing this. I've been, in, mm. I've been looking forward to hearing this ever since the movie started, in fact. <laughs> Thank you. That's very not really a compliment, is it? Um, yeah, this one's kind of a mess. I was a little tired. Uh, all right. The Divicious. Mila Jovovich and Scatman Crothers and The Situation and some other third stringers outrun a nuclear war by going down a flight of stairs to where Robert Patrick's holding a door open for them. And he's all, come with me if you want to live. Wait, I mean, uh, pass through this door if dying from radiation isn't your first choice. So they're in Robert Patrick's bomb shelter and skyscrapers fall on it, which dislodges some lint kittens. And stuff rattles ominously. And the little girl's all, mommy, I'm bored. And Robert Patrick's all, here, this will cheer you up. And he puts his thumb between his fingers and goes, look, I got your nose. And he slides it up and down like a kazoo. And the girl starts to cry. And he's all, uh. And he turns one of his pants pockets inside out and goes, want to kiss a one-eared elephant? And Patricia Arquette's the kid's mom. And she's all, stop it. She's just a little girl. And Robert Patrick gestures to some photos of him on the wall, smiling with a kid and a birthday cake and a blonde chick. And he's all, I was a father once. But somewhere along the way, I lost my, uh, way? <laughs> and Mila Jovovich hugs the kid and goes, Look, Carol, man, nuclear wars can last upwards of 12 minutes, so you just need to be patient. Everything will be fine. And the kid's all, 
But the half-life of a nuclear blast is hundreds of years. And Mila Jovovich is all, seriously? And starts crying in slow motion. And then some music plays. Meanwhile, Scatman Crothers is trying to raise room service on the radio. And he's all, hello? Can you hear me? If the answer is yes, just let the static crackle. Okay, cool. Great news, there's nine survivors here in a stairwell at the corner of 3rd Street and one millionth place. We have no defenses whatsoever and a young child with harvestable organs, and I think we're all getting radiation sickness except for the hot white girl. Big surprise. And the situation's all, man, fuck this shit. Radiation don't scare my ass none. I'm opening the door and killing us all. But Robert Patrick gets an axe and talks him out of it by chopping a hole in the wall, the steel wall even though he has a secret gun and a coffee can that he never uses or keeps on for some reason. So some more scenes droop past, wiltedly, and finally the situation's all, man, fuck this shit again. It's been almost four minutes. I'm tired of eating beans. I want to get me some mo-fucking escargot, bitch. And Robert Patrick lights up a cigar and goes, fucking college, boys. Speaking of which, don't waste oxygen. We only got a few weeks' worth. And Patricia Arquette's all, isn't that cigar burning it up? And the situation gets in her face and goes, do you want to go? And Mila Jovovich pulls her French husband's business card out of her wallet and stares at it glumly. And the husband goes, oh, you kept my business card. You still love me. <laughs> what, what part of France is oh, yeah. I'm out of voices for such little jokes. Uh, and Mila Jovovich is all, uh, I wasn't sure if hiring you as my divorce lawyer, too, would be a conflict of interest. And Frenchie smiles and looks at the little girl and goes, You see, little girl, true love can withstand even a broken eyeglass lens. <laughs> That's his character. He has one of those. And the little, char- the little character, <laughs> the little girl character, starts crying. That's her character. She's the crier. And the situation gets in her face and goes, Do you want to go? Then the Brotherhood of Steel breaks in, wearing power armor. <laughs> nice. <going on. laughs> That's for Tom. Thank and you. they steal the kid, and they put her in a Snuggie made out of Kevlar, uh, like the aliens use, and fire in the sky. And they holler out again, and the situation's all, oh, that's not what I meant. See, because he asked if she wanted to go. <laughs> I read that, and I went, that doesn't, no, I don't even get that. So the hazmat... Brother Steel guys trick them by splitting up and not shooting them, but the dividers trick them back by taking advantage of that. And the situation's nicer brother, who doesn't have a name or an ethnicity, strangely. He gets shot, but not badly enough to have any effect on the plot. So they take the uh, Brotherhoods of Steelers they killed and hygienically dump their bodies a few feet away in the same room. And the situation gets into a hazmat suit and claps Patricia Arquette's shoulder and goes, Don't worry, yo. I promise I'll bring your daughter back in at least one piece. And she starts crying and clutches him and goes, Promise me you'll bring my daughter back. And he's all, Oh, she can't hear me. Guess I should have told her before I put the helmet on. <laughs> a little fun. So he stumbles out the door and there's a Kevlar tunnel outside, like a whole network of them. Uh... And also a lab with jars in it, and also a bunch of kids in back to tanks with band-aids on their eyes. Because ground zero of a nuclear explosion one day later is the perfect place to set up a sterilized organ harvesting lab tunnel network. <laughs> it's horizontal, even though they're underground. What the fuck's up with that? So the situation does okay. The situation does okay. Except he doesn't save the kid and loses their only good gun and comes back crying and farting. And they see sparks at the door after he comes back. 
empty-handed and full-pantsed. And Patricia Arquette's all, we're saved! And Scatman Crothers is all, no, they're welding us in. And Mila Jovovich is all, why, I think we've been pretty good neighbors overall. So Robert Patrick spits at the hazmat corpse and he's all, damn Japanese square watermelon selling towelheads. We should have dropped the big one on those Japanese bastards and we had the chance back in 45. And the situation takes off one of the hazmat guy's helmets and a bunch of blood spills out. And Scatman Crothers smirks and goes, let me guess, North Korea. Remember when he said that? I didn't get that. <laughs> Meanwhile, days pass. And the hazmat corpses start to stink and attract flies, which is weird since they've been welded into an airtight space. And they're in hazmat suits, and they still stink. And the situation's all, well, yo, looks like got to make like that Ethan Hawke movie where the Dublin rugby players ate each other to keep warm. And Patricia Arquette goes, Gattaca? And the other douchebag character's all, yeah, y'all can eat my body except for my penis. Nobody eats Bobby's penis. That's my only rule. Well, more of a guideline. And Robert Patrick gives him an axe and goes, never mind that. Here, chop those hazmat bodies up and throw them into our porta potty. That way, if their friends show up again and kill all of us and need to use the toilet, they'll be in for a surprise. And Mila Jovovich is all, wait, chop them up? Why? Why don't we just throw them in? Or even wrap them better? Why don't we deal with this sooner? And the situation gets in her face and goes, do you want to go? So to make a long movie the same length as the synopsis, they find out Robert Patrick has a secret room in it with spare pillowcases and a gun and Heath, Leather, Heath Ledger's Joker lipstick. And they get mad over this. <laughs> Even though they are his guests. Uh, he didn't let in. I would understand that argument. And he has a secret safe, but he refuses to give them the combination until they bribe him by cutting off his finger. He keeps the gun in a coffee can that the situation, who's gone all morose, never finds because he who wants coffee, wait, because who wants coffee when you got apricots and Patricia Arquette with duct tape wrapped around her nipples and Heath Ledger lipstick on? And everybody kills everybody except Mila Jovovich, whom Robert Patrick tells there's a secret way out, but it's through the sewage tunnel. And she's all, wait, why didn't the fireballs and radiation come in here from there? And why didn't you use it? And he's all, are you crazy? The ladder to freedom's like three whole feet from here. What do I look like, a relatable protagonist? <laughs> and the French guy shoots the situation's brother because Mila Jovovich was getting a little hot for him by the process of elimination. And Robert Patrick <laughs> pictures of his kid's birthday party, and he's all, what if we become? Nuclear war should make us discourteous. And the situation's all, I just looked in the mirror and shaved my head and carved a word into my scalp. That word was dignity. And he throws a lantern down and sets himself on fire. Sets himself on fire so he can die with his head held high, or at least at a high temperature. And Mila Jovovich is all, maybe I'll have better luck with men at the bomb shelter three blocks down. So she leaves them all to burn to death and gets in the one working hazmat suit, which is her size, and snakes a couple cans of apricots to last her the next couple decades and wades through water that we were just told was poo and has no body parts or bones in it and finds the ladder. And soon she's escaped successfully into a gray, uninhabitable nightmare plateau of nuclear wintry desolation. And she stares languidly in even slower motion around at all the other burned out building husks that I assume were there the whole movie. <laughs> No, for sequel title, I think my survival issues have just multiplied. <laughs> the end. <sighs> yeah, lame. Thank you, Kelly. Well, no, why is that lame? Eh, I don't know. All right. 
Uh, before we talk specifically about the divide, Dingus, I think you are this podcast's uh, – you've seen the most Xavier Gens movies. Why don't you tell us what else he's done and what you thought of them? Uh, I saw – no, there's no the – I saw Hitman, no article, oh. and what? Fron- Frontier, parenthesis, S. Mm-hmm. And mm. Uh, before you go, I actually was pretty sure I had seen Hitman until I thought about it and realized, no, I'd seen Max Payne, yeah. which is another video game movie. And I, I've never seen Hitman. That's with Timothy Oliphant as uh, Agent 47 from the video games. Uh, Dingus, how was Hitman? Uh, okay. <laughs> it's got that girl on it, the Russian chick. Oleg Pachinko, I think is her name. Something like that. <laughs> Ooh, Pachinko, Pachinko! <laughs> She was a like Bond girl, her, her, and she was in uh, Centurion, I believe. Isn't it that woman, Kelly Wand? Yeah. Yeah, and she's in Hitman. She's nude in Hitman, by the way. FYI. And all, oh, not sure all. Oh, so Kelly Wand, you've seen Hitman. Well, that part. He's all, eh, not in the, not interested in that. Well, he's like a super, clone, he's like a cloned super right. assassin. He doesn't care about sex. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kelly Wand, who's the chick in Max Payne? Oh, Please. I didn't see that. All right. It was, uh... Video game movies, he crazy. Wait, but what, uh, you like, wasn't it, um... Oh, rats, the, the, uh, the Black Swan chick, who's not Natalie Portman, uh, not Alyssa Milano. Why can't I think of her name? Myla Kunis. Yeah, 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 Myla Kunis. Well, Kelly Wand, does, does that make you want to see Max Payne? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Not as much. Uh, Kelly Wan, so you haven't seen Frontiers, am I correct? I saw the parentheses, but not the movie. <laughs> now, Dingus, I tried to wave you off Frontiers. You didn't listen to me. Uh, how did that work out for you? Um, not so good, actually. Okay. You can see. Now, do you trust me more now, Dingus? Yes, I do. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for uh, showing me the light. I actually was a little bit uh, part of one of the reasons I was looking forward to the divide was the subject matter. I like a good post-apocalyptic uh, sci-fi movie, but I thought Frontiers had promise, kind of in terms of the technique. But for the most part, it was an unimaginative Texas Chainsaw Massacre ripoff uh, that didn't really that I I didn't care for at all. But I did like some of his craft. Uh, I was hoping maybe he'd sort of get better material in the future and bring some of that craft and stylishness to a, a better script. Um, so, and uh, I, you know, I thought the actors worked together. Okay. In, uh, in frontiers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so let's fast forward then dingus. Now that you have seen, is it, so I'm assuming Xavier Gens, you said it differently. I don't know. How do we, do we know how to say his name? No, I said Xavier Jans or Jens, but you, it might be Gens. You just really wanted to put a French twist on it. Didn't you? Yeah. I love French twist. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's what, it, what you do in the privacy of your own bedroom is none of our business. Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> so, Dingus, why don't you go first? You, as, as the, the podcast's foremost authority on Xavier Gans, uh, why, don't, why don't you explain to us how well does the divide work out? Um, can anybody tell me what the hell the title means? Yes, it's the divide between... Hazmat. And, oh, well, there's that, the hazmat people and the non-hazmat people, but it's the divide between uh, humanity and barbarism. That's oh, my guess. Jesus. That's what I'm assuming he was going for. All right. <laughs> I, I, anyway. think it's, I think it's horrible, and um, I think it works horribly. But it did uh, get me to watch 
uh, a movie I really, really love. Uh-huh. Um, uh, did it, you just? Did you and I watch the same movie today? Oh, dingus. Wait, can I guess what it was? I don't think you're going to get it, Kelly Wand. But Miracle but... Mile? No, no. That's a good. That's a very good comparison, though. Yeah. Kelly Wand, you've done. You've acquitted yourself marvelously. I kind of wished I had seen that today. That's a good movie. You know what? I miss nuclear war movies. And I was and I, nuclear war was always way scarier to me as a premise than the environmental disaster stuff that's now in vogue. We are kids that were traumatized by that uh, TV miniseries The Day After, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a British one, too. And Testament was a bummer. Oh, you're right, right. Yep. But now now hold that thought. So, Dingus, uh, you, you said one of the things that uh, makes uh, The Divide worthwhile is it made you watch another movie. Uh, so I, I cut you off and jumped in there. So, so take it from there. What were you saying? I can't imagine we both watched this movie today. Independently of each other, but anyway, uh, the the uh, the divide does uh, the things that that this movie I watched today does very well and does them horribly. Um, I just I, there's nobody in it I liked uh, or wanted to root for, and it's just uh. and you know what you what you said about how it how it uh, how Frontiers is just a crappy Texas Chainsaw Massacre ripoff mm-hmm. with a little bit of style. Um, it would be nice if Frontiers. I mean, it would be nice if The Divide had that much going. There was What's a, the movie. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So we'll get into this. Yeah. So Dingus, let's get let's put this on the table. I actually watched two movies since uh, because I wanted to in response to how terrible I thought The Divide was. I watched That's two movies, one today, one last night. So Dingus, what was the movie that you watched? Uh, the movie I watched today is a movie called Blindness. You jerk! It's exactly what I watched today, and it's exactly what I was thinking. And <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Kelly one, have you seen Blindness? Fernando Meares. I, I, I don't see movies you... named after medical conditions. <laughs> so you haven't seen. Uh, uh... It's kind of too depressing. Like I blind going blind kind of freaks me out. You I haven't seen. Like, rather watch Nuclear War. <laughs> what? You haven't seen Syphilis? Kelly Wand, I know you saw Contagion. Oh, that's a bit, that's not a medical condition. They don't go, oh, Contagion. Yeah, I've caught Contagion. Exactly. I've, caught, they... the, I've caught Contagion. I got oh, it. I wait. got Contagion. Human centipede is a medical condition. That's true. 100% medically accurate, Kelly Wand. Yeah? The same way Star Trek's a mental condition. <laughs> ah. You've gone from medical condition to a mental condition. Interesting. Oh, no. Uh, okay, so, uh, Dingus, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, obviously, what I think the script is going for with The Divide is very similar to, you know, these classic people trapped in a terrible situation together and what happens to them. And Blindness, I think, is one of the best instances of that kind of movie. Uh, so, and I, I think a lot of what kills The Divide is the, uh, I hesitate to put it this way, but I'm going to, the douchebag quotient amongst these survivors is so incredibly high uh, that it, it's just un, it's almost unwatchable for that because when you get a movie like Blindness or Alive uh, or even Devil, which, Dingus, I know you didn't like as much as I did about the people trapped in the elevator, um, Phase 7, for instance, a, a movie from, I think, Chile that we saw last year, these movies about people trapped in these situations and what happens to them over the course of the ordeal, there needs to be a character arc. And it is so obvious from the opening of The Divide that we're going to watch 
a room full of men who are douchebags become even more colossal douchebags. Right. While one woman, uh, there's the one sympathetic woman, the one pathetic woman, and then the one little girl all fall prey to what jerks they are, basically, more or less. And it just is not a compelling character arc in any way. I could see early on, is that is this really what you're going to do? I hope not. Maybe there's going to be some twist. And there was no twist. It's just watching no. these guys get worse and worse, and it's so tedious, I thought. Cliché. Cliche, yeah, and that's predictable. Yeah. And then they they start out as either douchebags or wimps, and there's nothing that moves. The needle doesn't move at all. Right. And even the little girl, you're like, I hope somebody gets rid of her soon. I mean, how do you, how is that supposed to work? That the kid is the kid is awful. Ugh. Thing is, that's terrible. Well, here's one thing I kind of uh, I, I want to use the word admired. Maybe I maybe I'll think of a better word later. But I'm gonna go with admired for now. I kind of admired how uncompromising it was with the little girl, and with w- how they don't explain a lot about what's happening to children. But it's really ghastly. I mean, the scene where he discovers the lab and there's the kids whose I guess organs have been harvested and their bodies are in the freezers. That was grim stuff. Yeah. And in a in a movie that I didn't wasn't not in a movie that I was into, like I would like to see that that kind of uncompromising grimness in a movie that's not horrible. Uh, so I kind that's of appreciate ex- that. that's exactly true. You're exactly right about that. But at the end of this, I was starved for something. Yeah, mm. and I was hoping. Well, at least maybe we'll find out what's going on with those those kids with the band aids on their eyes. But yeah, you put it perfectly. I shouldn't have jumped in, but. In a movie that's better, that that sort of grimness would have been perfect. Yeah. So Kelly, but even that, during that scene, I was kind of like getting excited, like, "Oh wait, now it's getting good." There's a laugh. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> and then it's back to the same old, same old. Exactly. I, I thought, okay, this is great. We're going to move into kind of a second act twist now. It's going to change, and no, they run back inside. The door gets welded shut, and we never hear any more about that. <laughs> right. I'm all, oh, he set up all the, these cliche, boring ass characters because he's gonna, he's gonna, he's misdirecting me brilliantly, and yeah. now I'm gonna like, that's coming. Oh boy, now it's coming. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Uh, well, no, wait, hold on, Kelly. Why have you just tipped your hand? Because Dingus and I obviously didn't like the divide. Maybe you want to defend it. I'll defend that that sequence, or at least like the surprise value of like, oh, we're out of the basement ever at all. That's cool. Now I'm not watching Carnage. This is neat. <laughs> but another thing too, the script is so bad that I I got the sense that we were supposed to think that the black dude and the lead actress weren't idiots, but they consistently ignore all the danger signals being sent up by their roommates. It's like they're not. They're only sympathetic by, again, the process of elimination, like you said. It's like every other character is a douchebag, and a douchebag in the same kind of way, even. Yeah. Is Dingus' Junkies are Tedious theorem, like, at critical mass? Uh, vaguely European douchebags are also tedious. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I got a redneck douchebag, French douchebag, the, the, the Jersey Shore douchebag. By the way, the, Kelly Wan- the useless one. Right. Yeah, uh, the effete one. Uh, Kelly Wand, what's the situation? You kept making that reference. I don't understand that. He's a guy on Jersey Shore who... Uh... Oh, that's a person's name? All right. Yeah. All right. He's the situation. Uh, were any of you guys... Like, I I loved the opening. Uh, I loved the, the show. By the way, uh, another movie that opens with a character looking out a window. I always think that's a good sign. Um, and I, I loved the way that the, the missiles are reflected in, in her eye, you know, very much like the uh, opening of Blade Runner, I believe. Uh, I love that 
of course, the reference to 9-11, that frantic scramble down the stairs to get into the basement, uh, like that was pretty chilling. And I even, I was even, uh, poor Michael Bean, though, like, I don't know, I uh, kind of feel sorry for the guy. But, you know, I liked that early on the script, even though it's kind of a little ballsy, I wanted it to work. You know, he says, let there be light, and he Ugh. turns on the lights, and then he says, not exactly the Garden of Eden. And so I'm Ugh. like, okay, hold on, hold on. But the reason I'm kind of okay with that is I'm like, okay, the script is obviously going to be this fall from grace story. You know, if they're going to open with these biblical passages alluding to the fall from grace and mankind's descent, you know, learning sin and whatnot, if that's how they're going to set the stage, fine, let's see what you got. If you're going to be that, like I said, ballsy with... <laughs> The opening with Let There Be Light and a reference to the Garden of Eden. If, if you're that self-aware, let's see what you got. And I don't think there was anything. Like, it just quickly became just just depravity. Just just random, pointless, uninteresting depravity after that. So, But early on, I kind of had hope for it. Just like Genesis. <laughs> Genesis gets, gets, turns into goes south after the Garden of Eden. It's all a bummer. Floods. <laughs> No, I didn't like that, I, and I hate I hate when stuff's spelled out like that. And when "Let There Be Lights," your first line of dialogue, oh god, no, come on, give me something subtle, give me a little nuance. Don't win, win me. Don't why is dad running? What's he running from? Please, <laughs> Kelly Wan, that's he's not that bad. <laughs> mm, I don't, and also it's Michael Bean doing oh. the same dude from Abyss. No kidding, yeah. Now, I don't know if you were joking about Robert Patrick, but, you know, he was originally oh. cast. In this movie? Yeah, it was originally Robert Patrick, Melissa George, because there's special thanks to her, and uh, Sean William Scott. What? <laughs> what do you think Who of that? Sean? Hey, whoa, whoa. Robert Patrick was playing the Michael Bean part? You know what? I, I say this. I'm it, It's in the little trivia section on IMDb, so I'm assuming, because this, I think, screened it. Was it South by Southwest? I'm assuming this is just something that uh, Xavier again said in a Q&A, and then somebody posted on IMDb. I don't know how official it is, but IMDb says that Michael, uh, that Robert Patrick, Melissa George, and Sean William Scott were originally in the cast. Uh, so you can sort of guess. And which they read course. it. <laughs> then maybe they you know what? Sean William Scott has never been in a movie this unthought out. But uh, I have a question. I didn't understand something. Mm-hmm. At the end, when she steps outside and sees what she sees, mm-hmm. is that supposed to be a twist? What the hell was that? Oh, it's... Dingus field that one. Dingus, was that a twist? No, no. It's just the beginning of the video game. Uh, I, I actually loved those visuals, though. Maybe just I because, like, like Dingus here, or I think, Kelly, when you were saying you were so hungry for something, I was like, okay, at least this looks good in a slow-motion video gamey kind of way but i like those visuals uh even though yeah I, kelly wand i don't think it was a twist it's exactly what we expected we would see uh huh. and i thought maybe the reveal was supposed to be that it was new york but no because you see his card says new york 911. yeah that's right he's a fireman yeah yeah so i don't know what they thought they were showing us uh other than hey look here's an effects shot that we put there's together. something you haven't so- seen new york with issues, structural or architectural issues. Now, Kelly Wand, you mentioned uh, that I, I kind of like that we don't know what happened. Uh, that's another thing, like the grimness with the with what happens to the, the children who are carried away. I kind of like the idea that it's never explained. Uh, are you guys okay with that? Sure. Okay. Dingus, you're okay with that? I can fill in the blanks. <laughs> 
Well, that, now you can fill in the blanks, but can you? Because I kind of think, I, I, what, what would, how, what would you fill fill in the blanks for us, Kelly? Juan? what happened? Uh, the towelhead Japanese uh, got mad when we annexed Canada, Mexamerica Canada, and uh, I see that you've written some backstory for this. Yeah, well, that's what I do. Well, I like that Michael Bean thought it was like a suitcase nuke or something, but we had seen missiles arriving. Uh, I like this, you know, this idea that there are well-equipped men with advanced weaponry ready to move in, that we see that one of them has an Asian face. You know, I was thinking maybe the Chinese nuked us or something. Like, I like how they reference, how they, they give us little clues, but they never explain something. Again, it's the sort of thing that in a better movie I would have appreciated uh, more. As it was, I'll take what I can get. Um, Explanations are boring. Correct. Let us figure out. Give us little visual cues, and we'll figure it out ourselves. But, but then, so is what they gave us. That was boring, too. So just give us an explanation if you're not going to. Well, Kelly Wand, in your backstory about us getting nuked because we annexed Canada, uh, why were the people on the walkie-talkie communicating in English? They were? I <laughs> I think that Courtney B. Vance at one point says uh, it's something. I don't know if they shot a scene and didn't include it, but Courtney B. Vance at one point says, yeah, I heard them saying uh, sweep finished, but they were speaking English. Huh. Do you remember that, Dingus? I remember an EKG machine. (laughs) There was no EKG machine. EKG machine in the divide, I'm afraid. Um, well, there was, there was also the seed planted that they might, that they were Americans or they could have been Tinker Taylor soldier spies, like double agents who were on the scene with their lab equipment ready instantly. Okay. Um, uh, work that into your backstory. Backstory. Euphemisms. It's, I mean, that's the thing too. Here's the, I mean, we, you, you, we praise that like, oh, I don't need any explanation. But then if you think about it, it's like when he takes the suit off and you see a vaguely Asian face mm-hmm. you're supposed to go oh so it's it could be anything like he's giving you nothing he's basically saying yeah you're not going to get any details like it's going to be completely generic the way the story is generic like it could be any disaster it's not specific to nukes we harvest organs even if there was a bad tornado <laughs> uh it did make me wonder because there's one point where uh and i kind of like the idea that when he puts on the hazmat suit and he goes into the lab none of the other lab guys notices that he's out of place. I like that that ga- that gimmick kind of that he's wandering around just looking at stuff and they don't notice him. Uh, uh-huh. But then someone like pushes him against a wall and looks at his little ID card. It's dangling from his suit, and I'm like, well, wait a minute. Wouldn't they have noticed that back in the shelter when they're taking the guy's suits off that they have little ID tags? And why couldn't we, the audience, be let in on the fact that there are ID tags stuck on each of these? And, and what do and, they say? Yeah, and what do they say? Exactly. Are they in English? What's the guy's name? That's not the point. I guess so. <laughs> the point is, let's get back to the shelter because of this name tag. That's the fastest way to end this interesting sequence. It's well, the one cool thing in that sequence for me is that is that that it, there's kind of a thing in Phase Seven that I got where you don't you you, you really get a sense that how hard it is to see on the periphery of these suits. Yeah. And in this movie, you get that when he goes into the lab, it suddenly goes to the, his POV and it's just from his mask. And that, that was the first time where I really started to feel an increase of tension in this movie where it, at any moment he's going to swing his face around and somebody's going to be right. confronting him or he's going to see something horrific or what is he going to see? And I thought, yeah, stay in the mask, do that, do that whole thing in the mask. And then Xavier Jen's just, shows him like looking at fingers or hair or something 
and I just um, there's not any moment where he has this directorial instinct to go with that kind of bold choice. And even when he does occasionally make a bold choice, there's a part later in the movie where the camera swoops up above the pipes that are along the ceiling and goes through some ducts to follow one of the characters. Uh, visually, it's pretty bold, but there's kind of no reason for why it is doing that at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like, hey, okay, you're showing me some technique, but uh, is there a reason <laughs> right. we're doing that now? You know what? <laughs> I kept thinking yeah, you're the, your, the your French claustrophobia guys. Thing. The French guy is going to be up there somehow. <laughs> why are we up there? <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, uh, there's there's great bits where uh, uh, Christopher Eccleston in Shallow Grave is watching from the, the attic, the hole he's drilled in the attic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and Danny Boyle knows, okay, that's when you go up there and you look through the attic. Or, Dingus, like in Blindness, I'd forgotten this, this great moment where somebody looks through the little eye hole of a door uh, after he's mm-hmm. closed the door. He's, he's blind, he can't see, but there's this really cool technique of the eye hole stretching out and the camera going through it. And it's, you know, it's appropriate for that moment. I, I don't think, you know, when, when Gens gets these little directorial touches he wants to throw in, I don't think he has any idea for why he's doing them or why they should be there. Um, I'd forgotten about the fire in blindness. The fire in blindness, which... It, where, where she... Where the where, um, the woman from Mark Ruffalo's uh, clinic, who is mm-hmm. also part of their group, when they say, who's going to fight with us and who's going to sneak away? And she sneaks away, but then she starts a fire. And that that sort of that conflagration of fire that goes on in blindness uh, made me I'd forgotten that that existed because the ridiculous fire at the end of the divide (laughs) where you see the guy's body where you see the situation's body coated in fire gel. I mean, it's a Uh, horrible scene at the end of the divide that seems to be cribbed from blindness. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You went like. Does, does Xavier Gens, had he seen Blindness? Uh, who knows? Uh, has he seen any movies? <laughs> well, I think he's obviously, you know, he's one of these, like, I'm assuming young directors who's grown up on the latest movies, and I'm guessing he probably did music videos or something, and, you know, there's some craft there, but just no real meaningful application of it. Uh, I do want to disagree with the two of you and say that the the not knowing thing, the less is more thing doesn't work for me at all in this movie uh, mm-hmm. i'm not going to cut it any slack for that we don't know what happened we don't know who started the war because it bothers to let her go out and show us that 10 minute walk through the ruined world of new york and the brooklyn bridge and and the hudson river and all of that if, if it's going to bother to do that then it in a better movie i agree less is more great don't tell us what happened fine don't tell us what all of that stuff means, fine, but I'm not going to cut this movie any slack. If you're going to bother to show us all that post-apocalyptic shit, then tell us what happened. Now, Dingus, I will bet oh, you... Morris. I will bet you dollars to donuts, Dingus, and I will collect mm. on this, that mm-hmm. if the movie had done that, you would have objected to us leaving the circle of what the survivors know down in their little uh, basement. Too much politics. (laughs) But am I wrong about that? No, no, you're not. Because, but once they break that circle, then go ahead and show us everything. Otherwise, if you want to do a one act play of a bunch of survivors down in this room and do this madness, you know, Kelly jokingly talked about carnage, but there's, there's plenty of movies that, that are, we're locked in a room and we're just going to do what's going on in this room and this, this madness of survivors or this Lord of the Flies kind of thing, then do that. But if you're going to get us out and go down the hallway and show this weird thing and then have her go out into the post-apocalyptic world, then do that. I mean, 
mm-hmm. you know, again, if if that if the characters and the actors and the writing had been better down in there, then I would be more forgiving of this whole. Or not even forgiving. I would want exactly what you're saying. You're exactly right, Tom. I would want that. Let's stay in here and not know anything about the outside world. I guess, but it was just so. It was just so. There was just nothing there. Yeah, they were such aborted, short attempts that didn't add anything to the movie. When he goes out, you know, it's like we said before. When he goes out into that that little contained corridor and into the lab you're like okay there's going to be a twist something's going to be new and he runs back and we get almost nothing from that and the same with the end shot when we finally leave uh the confines of the bunker there we get nothing from that we didn't already know so dingus i I would agree with you and that these these were opportunities that could have been used to better effect uh i definitely am with you there yeah but even the banter between the characters runs short so quickly. There's this weird thing that goes on between Michael Bean and Courtney B. Vance, where it seems like they're almost in a buddy cop movie. It's like, <laughs> is that a North Korean? Uh, fuck off. Get out of here. I mean, they have this, like, boo 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 Go to your room. <laughs> yeah. There's that thing that happens. You were like, well, what's going on here? What's... And then it doesn't go anywhere. And, and it very quickly dissolves into, when I say it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Yeah. And that's all that Arbitrary. they say. And then... Then uh, do it, do it, do it, do it. I mean, the, the oh, I don't remind me. Nowhere. Oh, dude, Dingus, Dingus, why did you remind me of that scene? Wait, yeah, I want. I was gonna say, I want a more. Remember, I want a moratorium on scenes where characters trying to talk a deranged gunman out of firing are always simultaneously gibbering. No, Bobby, don't do it. No, no, no. And like they keep saying it, like they keep rising in volume. Like, all right, he's gonna shoot now just to shut you all up. And they, you know the scene's gonna end that way. And it's like it's not. It's so predictable. I love that she was telling him, "Give it to Adrian, the the most ineffectual character. Give it to him. Give, Give it to the guy with the broken arm." Yeah, Why shoot is she doing that? Give the gun to him. Give the gun to him. Why not give it to her? <laughs> because yeah, she's already been set up as the badass character who can chop people up, and not. It's so dumb. So dumb. All right, so uh, let's see. What other movies did it remind you guys of? Hostel too, because it was that same girl, and I, I didn't get that into either. Because I'm like, because. I was going to say, and the thing that really that kind of pissed me off about the lab sequence mm-hmm. is they stop fighting after that. They're like, all right, well, we're screwed. <laughs> they, like, drop the gun. All right, now the, the, it's like they're really still going to be out there, and you don't know that they're going to come back. I don't know. It seemed really puss. Well, it's it like really, the, I mean, whatever those yahoos outside of the door were doing where they had their lab, why didn't they just walk in there and shoot them or toss a gas grenade or something in there? I mean, what, they're going to... What are your options? Why Why were they welding the door shut? I mean, what, I don't... Yeah. It's just ridiculous. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's just so contrived throughout, I, I guess. And then, you know, the final reveal that, oh, well, there's a door three feet away in a tank yeah. of water that we can climb out of. What were... Ugh, but the hazmat suit guys, wouldn't they have wanted other... Why, why wouldn't they have just killed them all or taken the... Like, there's tons of supplies down there that the hazmat guys could use, you'd think. Well, they don't know that. They don't care. That uh, will just weld it shut. And, and if they you, don't, you're going to cut they, up they, a body to throw lime on it, why are you going to wrap it in plastic bags? <laughs> because they didn't yeah. have the budget for fake body parts? Uh, they had li- lots of lime, I guess. <laughs> you can bring that with them. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Shelter you know, under a skyscraper in New York? Is this hillbilly living under a New York skyscraper with a stairwell that goes to the porta potty? Like, does he pay rent on that? Wasn't he? He's the landlord, and he'd been creeping into people's apartments and stealing their junk. How'd they know he was down there? 
He's the creepy landlord. Well, he's their landlord. They're, they're, uh, what do you call, what's the guy on Rhoda who talks on the, uh, inner Carlton, the doorman. Oh, he's a doorman. I'm thinking of, what's the guy who comes, isn't there a guy in Rhoda who's like fixing the, who's like the plumber and whatnot? What do you call that guy in an apartment? The super. Oh. He's the super. Super. One day at a time. He's the concierge. Yeah, but he's the guy who they call when you know the the toilet's busted, and he comes up and he fixes it, and he he you and know steals your, and he filches your uh, vintage baseball or whatever it is. Yeah, did um, you say filch? Not felch. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad you asked what other movies this reminds me of because I didn't think of it until now. But it, mm-hmm. but the um, I don't you're not going to let me know what's going on, but it still works. Uh, it reminds me of Right at Your Door. Yep, uh, from the director of The Darkest Hour, oh. <laughs> Chris Gorak. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah uh, right at your door is great about that. Uh, it's it's, uh, it's pretty contained, uh, and it, and it, but it's well written, and the relationship makes sense, and the characters I pretty much care about, uh, and we never really find out what the disaster is, but we know it's a disaster, and and it has some of the same through lines that this movie has, but without the crazy. Crap. And duct tape figures prominently. Oh, very nice. So, is that going with red tape? That's Pulse. Uh. Uh, Kelly One, what movies does uh, The Divide remind you of? Continental Divide. One, two, three, not only you and me, got 180 and I'm caught in between. Caligula? Is that better? <laughs> I mean. Kelly Wan, what does the Continental Divide uh, stand for in the movie Continental Divide? Um, where the uh, Greenwich Median Time becomes the Mayan calendar. Now, Kelly Wan, that's uh, John the Belushi hair- and Demi Moore, right? Yeah, before he did Showgirls and she did Striptease. <laughs> All right, so I'm sorry. Did I cut anyone off before? Sweet neighbors and moment by moment. Ah, very good, Kelly Wand. See what I did there? Uh, I do. Uh, I wanted right, to talk so about the Bjork song at the end. Not a Bjork song. I actually liked the music in The Divide. I'm going to go on record saying that I liked the music in The Divide. Didn't care for the rest of the movie. Is anyone music? with me on that? Yeah, it had this weird, like, slow, kind of low-key, piano-y kind of music. Mm. No? No one else it liked was- it? No? Well, there were a lot of montages, and I'm like, how much time's passing? Just curious, music man. Uh, by the way, when the uh, the mine collapsed on the, the Chilean miners, those dudes were down there for for uh, 15 days before they knew that anyone was looking for them. Uh, these people in the Divide, I don't know how long they were in there, but they, they didn't last nearly as long as 33 Chilean miners uh, did before freaking out, I'm assuming. The divide all takes place in about an hour and a half. <laughs> that explains a lot. They're shaving their heads an hour into it. Like, uh, <laughs> this movie sucks. It's fucking music. Kelly Wan, what is today's 3x3, three three, and would the divide be a good candidate for it? Is there a running gag in the divide? Shaving your head. Uh, oh, radiation right. poisoning. Rape. <laughs> Rape's always a good running gag. Uh, I was in stitches through most of Zodiac. But I was really in stitches through most of Ed Gein. Gein. Get it? Because stitches? All right. Three best running gags, which Dingus almost thought meant 
a running joke, like someone actually running in a tracksuit to Benny Hill music. And I'm bummed that I clarified that. Uh, does everyone know what a running gag is? Uh, who does the podcast? Now, uh, these aren't necessarily literally gags, are they? Like, they're not literally jokes. That's not really, they're not people uh, throwing up while they run in tracksuits, no. It's a callback, but it maybe call calls back more than once. Okay. Uh, and was anything taken off the table? I left Airplane off the table for mine because there's just too many to choose from, and that was sort of the uh, Citizen Kane of running gag movies. It really but, is, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Mine are all from bad movies. That's my theme. Kelly took uh, Escape from New York off the table. Ah, we thought you were dead. That's right. The the recurring line. In I heard you was dead. Mm, there's no we thought you were dead. I think it's you're going to need a bigger boat, Kelly Wand. Oh, uh, that's a good running gag. No, because he only says it twice. Does it count if he only says it twice? I know he says it once after the shark cage is assembled. I'm positive <laughs> that. I'm willing to bet $100 real money. Sweet. I'm going to make 100 bucks off this podcast. Well, before we get to that bet, Kelly Wand, uh, Dingus is going. He's announcing next week's 3x3, three three, so he has to go first. Dingus, what is your number three choice for a running gag in a movie? And, more importantly, perhaps, how did you feel about this 3x3? Three three? Um, I was pretty frustrated about it because I couldn't figure out what the hell to do with it until today, and now I'm very happy with it. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Did you get something out of blindness that you can use? Oh, yeah. Blindness is full of gags. <laughs> blindness is a running gag. Uh, all right, Dingus, what is your number three choice then? Maybe I mean, you have a line for us. I do. I do have a line. Mm -hmm. uh, here it is. Waldo, 100 billion clams. That's like a proxy. It sounds like something... Well, that's definitely Catherine Hepburn. I know Dingus is Hepburn. Mm. That's a proxy was what you said? It sounds like something someone would say in that movie. Or, his, or you're right, or a Catherine Hepburn movie. His I'll number threes are... Yeah, although Jennifer recently does kind of do a Hepburn in that movie. Yeah. Dingus, is either of us right? You are so close, because the first four letters of your guess are the first four letters of the title of my movie. Uh, Huds. Or the... Or the Huds. <laughs> <laughs> the happening. Uh, I don't, Huds, 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 Hudson, Hudson, Hudson Hawk. There you go. I have no idea what the line is, and I already hate your pick. But what is it? What's the What's the running? Gag? Night Shyamalan's movies are running gags. All right, this this uh, running gag from uh, Hudson Hawk, and the the quote I just gave is Richard E. Grant walking into the auction house and and saying one million clams, Waldo. Um, and it's this weird thing that happens because they're looking for all of the little crystals that they're going to use for Da Vinci's alchemy machine. But these huge crystals are kept in impossibly small spaces so that uh, they get the Da Vinci Codex and they cut the, uh, the, the side of the book and this huge crystal comes out. Or they cut this helicopter model, the bottom of it, and this huge crystal comes out. So it's this gag of these huge crystal pieces that come out of, them, out of impossibly small spaces. Kelly Wan, what do you think of his pick? Uh, is that a running gag? Like that happens more than once? Yeah, I just told you twice. That <laughs> Kelly Wand is not good at math. Oh. Crystal, crystals coming out of small things. Yep. Running. There you go. Kelly Wand, when you say it, you make it sound dirty. Hmm. Uh, Dingus, can you do the line in the correct dialect? Um, No. 
Okay, in that Can case, you do it in a different do... wrong? Sorry. Yes? Go ahead. I'm done. Uh, all right, so Hudson Hawk, Crystal's gag. I don't remember that, Dingus. Do I need to watch Hudson Hawk again? Um, you don't, but Kelly does. <laughs> all right, have fun with that, Kelly Wand. All right, my number three, uh, I don't like this topic. You know what, it's a good topic because I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys come up with, but I don't really like what I came up with, so uh, I kind of bunted, I'm afraid. My number three, my number three bunt, uh, Dermot Mulroney's eye patch in Living in Oblivion. Is anyone going to accept no. that? No. No? No. You don't know what a running gag is. Well, it happens twice. It's No, no, no. It happens twice. What happens twice? Well, what? he's wearing his eye patch, and then uh-huh. uh, it's kind of like a goof. And then uh, James uh, – what's that dude's name from uh, ER? What, James Gr- uh, Gross? No. What's his name? Yeah. Gross. LeGros. James LeGros. Le Right, right. Yeah. Uh, James Legru, uh takes his eye patch and, and thinks it would be cool to wear and then puts it on in a scene that he's shooting later. Is that not a running gag? Uh, well, I guess. It's a callback. <laughs> yeah, it happens it, at least twice. It's not. It doesn't happen maybe three times, but it's referred to at least twice. It's established. Uh, James LeGros, uh I think, covets the eye patch and says he wants to use it, and then there's a reveal later where he uses it when they're shooting a scene. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna defend that one. I'm gonna stand by that one. Some of my other ones, my second one maybe won't be accepted by the judges, but I'm pretty sure this is a legitimate running gag. Is Dermot Mulroney's eye patch? I think when you don't like the topic, you you try to sabotage it. <laughs> That's my theory. <laughs> Fuck Kelly Watt and his stupid eye patch topic. Uh, you know what? I think that's a legitimate one. You can You're being the Chad Palomino character. Ah, very I, good. Very good. <laughs> you can level that charge at my number two, I think. Uh, but I, I'm pretty confident that my number three and my number one are, are legit. And I, I think the eye patch is a running gag. I'm going to go with that. So hmm. I feel like I didn't explain the topic correctly. No. <laughs> uh, Diggis, can you be a tiebreaker? Do you feel Do you feel good about the the eye patch choice? I definitely do because it's been mentioned on the podcast before. Therefore, it's a running gag on the podcast. Ah, what do you think of that, Kelly Wand? Christian Minatsky. Madrasky. <laughs> Speaking of. Marcy Mary Marlene Moxley. Moxley's. Kelly Wand, what yeah. is your number three choice for a running gag in a movie? Would anyone like a coffee? I will get them one. <laughs> I don't like this topic. <laughs> Um, Kelly, Kelly, how did you feel about the topic? Stupid, like most of mine. I'm an idiot. I hate myself. All right, my number three is uh, from... Oh, like I said, mine are all from bad movies, because I like to study bad movies mm. and try and find the treasure. So like far, Kelly Wand, I want to say you share that in common with Dingus's list. <laughs> you don't like Hudson Hawk? Hudson Hawk rules. I'm not thought, saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's a bad movie. Yeah, with good stuff in it. All right. Oh, that's it. No, yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> All right. Well, what is your bad movie then? And maybe do you have a line for us, Kelly Wan, that you can do in a French accent because you you acquitted yourself admirably uh, with your French earlier in the podcast. Uh, let's see. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, up and on them. No, it's up and at them. I don't know. That's probably not the actual line. That's not even the running gag, although it's another running gag from the movie. Uh, I'm guessing I have not seen this. Dingus, is that ring any bells for you? Does that give you a hint? Mm. Is it from Up? 
It's a science fiction movie with Sandra Bullock. Oh, Demolition Man, and it's the Taco yeah. Bell. You love Taco Bell. You thought you're mistaking product placement for a running gag. Nice work, Kelly Wand. <laughs> yeah, I am. Because it's like, isn't it? It's like, a gr- it's the only restaurant left. So it's not only product placement, it's like, it's product placement, like, yeah, all the restaurants are destroyed except the one that paid money to make this movie. We killed them. It's like where they sell uh, really expensive food. Never mind. That's not the running gag. The running gag I like from Demolition Man, and not that, and not Sandra Bullock's haunches and getting 80s dialogue wrong. But remember when it's like in the future, every time you swear, it gets a ticket. And you can hear it throughout. It's an R-rated movie, so they're constantly swearing. And in the background, every time someone swears, you hear the machine go, you've been cited $3. And uh, they don't have toilet paper in the future because it's the future. So Sylvester Stallone at one point goes, fuck my mother's butthole and the children's. And then all the tickets come out and he uses that as toilet paper. (laughs) Take that, Russian roulette. Wait a minute. That does not really happen in Demolition Man. Yeah, because they they don't have toilet paper. They use seashells, which is another it's another a lame running gag in the movie. Dingus, can you verify any of this? I've never seen Demolition Man. Can you verify what, what Kelly Wand is saying? No, it just makes me think of uh, Idiocracy, but I can't verify that. It's Idiocracy is a Sylvester Stallone movie because he has to come from the past to beat Wesley Snipes as tax rab. Well, that reminds me, uh, you know, Tom, last night I made a joke that uh, Milo Ventimiglia has uh, Sylvester Stallone mouth. Right, which he does. He was uh, he was his son in Rocky Balboa. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Some lemons that fall off my lemon tree uh, of their own volition because they're like six months too stale also have Sylvester Stallone mouth as their rind. <laughs> All right, Kelly Wan, Demolition Man, the cussing running gag. Dingus, what do you have? It's really uh, like you can hear it distantly, like beep, beep, beep. I like that. I like sound effect running gags. Uh, I think, Kelly Wan, if anyone uh, has a solid handle on this 3x3, it is you. (sighs) It's jokes. I think that's why I'm the only one. Although, remember before the podcast started, I was telling Dingus, like, don't you get nervous when people start telling jokes? Because then you go, I have to pretend to laugh and think it's funny, whatever it is. It's a lot of pressure on the person listening to the joke, I agree. Yeah, and no pressure on the joke teller. They get a free pass. <laughs> Thanks, Grandpa. <laughs> uh, Dingus, what is your number two choice for a running gag? And maybe do you have a quote for it that that could be a clue for me and Kelly Wand? I actually have uh, two lines of dialogue Mm, so not just a quote an exchange good i look forward to it all right here we go we got about five minutes and change 532 swinging on a star that's also hudson hawk what are you doing all right number two is also hudson hawk oh for pete's sake dingus is three by three is a running gag Mm, i like that it's kind of good so i love this there's this moment early on where um where Tommy, God, what's Danny Aiello's name? Tommy Five Tone and Hudson Hawk, who's Ugh. played by a guy named Bruce Willis, are discussing their heist, and they're just in in this little room where they're discussing their heist, and they and they keep throwing out song titles, and Bruce Willis will say the uh, running time of the song, and then Ugh. they go on their first heist, and this is how they time their heists Ugh. by um, by deciding what song to sing together. 
And so they sing Swingin' on a Star, which is a freaking great musical number, what they're doing. And then, it, and then of course, it happens over the course of the movie. Other characters will say the name of the song, and Bruce Willis will just say the time of the song. And then at the, at the end, when they do their final heist, they do side by side. Um, and so there you go. There's your Kelly Wand, do you see what you've done, Kelly Wand? Are you happy? I love Dingus's list and hate you and your list. Anything <laughs> about that? Dingus well, rules. <laughs> totally made this list awesome, and he put his heart into it. And like some people, <laughs> he might do a Mr. Eye Patch over here. He might do a change up. Maybe his number one will be from uh, Jaws. Mm. Oh. I know. All right, here's my number two. I think this is a run. You know, this this is it's it's technically a running gag. It doesn't run very long, but it's running. It it it's. It's referred to shortly after the gag comes out. So I think it qualifies for a short run. It doesn't go throughout the entirety of the movie. It doesn't need to. It's good enough for – it's a, it's a sprinting gag, perhaps, we'll say. Hmm. Uh, it is Jackie Treehorn's uh, foul doodle in Big Lebowski. Kelly Wand, why are you making that noise? That's not a running gag. Yes, How is let me that explain. A running gag? Because – it's the great scene where uh, uh, <laughs> Jeff Daniels, uh, Jeff Bridges, is um, watching Ben Gazzara take a phone call and write something on a pad, and he goes over, and then Ben Gazzara's like, "I gotta, I gotta go. I'll see you later." And he tears a piece of paper off of the pad and he leaves. And Jeff Bridges goes over and does the trick with the pencil, where he writes the, you know, he he. he uh, colors the page so that the imprint of whatever Ben Gazzara has written can be seen, and he's thinking he's going to uncover a clue, and it's just a stick figure with a big old honking penis. Uh, and that's a gag right in and of itself. And somebody then comes walking into the room, and Jeff Bridges tears the piece of paper off real quick and then hides it in his pocket and pretends, acts all nonchalant. Later, he gets drugged and thrown out and arrested by the Malibu police, who discover there's a great shot of this uh, very unhappy cop looking through the contents of Jeff Bridges' pocket and, and finding that doodle. So therefore, oh. the gag has sprinted oh. from earlier in the movie no. to this point in the movie. No. Yes, yes. It's not the yes. same. It's yes. not repeated. It would it's, be repeated if the Knicks, if the cop did it too, and he did the doodle. Like, no, oh, but the, the cop finds the doodle. It's from a previous... That's not, right, that's, a, that's something else. He's finding the running... He's finding a gag. <laughs> That right. wasn't running at all. It was in standing still. <laughs> but it was in his pocket. So it, Dude, the gag has been carried forward to a later point in the movie. Dingus Do arbitrate. You... <laughs> Dingus is doing the topic perfectly, and you're a buffoon. Um, and a running gag, an example of running gag is like the food, uh, the generic stuff from Repo Man that you were talking about last week. Like, there's a running gag. Oh, that's what I meant this... for my number two. Right. <laughs> Can I put that down? Because this doodle thing is not... The doodle thing is so it's good. It's so wrong. Me. No, but it's so good. It's so funny. It's, it's, it's good, way... it's, but we're not grading you know the what? funniness. Here, here, it's funnier than any of Dingus's running gags from Hudson Hawk. I guarantee you. It's funnier, did... it's funnier than the entirety of Hudson Hawk. Is that no. Jackie Treehorn uh, pornographic doodle? Put that it's down. funnier that you don't know what a running gag is than anything in Hudson Hawk <laughs> to me. And I should have bet $5 that you didn't know what a running gag was. Because Dingus was the one who asked for clarification and apparently got it. And you're all, well, a doodles. That doodle thing was so funny, I'm just going to call it a running gag and then use the word sprint to trick Kelly. <laughs> all right, well, we'll see if I can redeem myself with the number Sabotage! one. Sabotage! I think my number one pick you won't have any issue with. We'll see. 
Uh, <laughs> terrible. Terrible. Well, Kelly Wan, let's see you top it with your number. You know what? This yeah. is the biggest scandal since the Obi-Wan non-fate gesture scandal of 011, where is everyone it, went, what? Is it, is it bigger than the boulder in the swimming pool being a Chekhov's gun? That one was, Sexy beast? All right. That one was almost, well, compared to this. Sure. Well, here's here's the challenge I'm throwing down to you, Kelly Wan. So I think a great running gag is Jackie Treehorn's pornographic doodle in Big Lebowski. Let's hear what you have that's even better than that for your number two slot. Okay. Maybe maybe it'll help you, and okay. you'll have time to change your number one into something appropriate. <laughs> okay. My number two best running gag is from a movie I saw when I was 10, and I think you probably did too, for reasons that will become clear, with Richard Dreyfus called The Big Fix. Oh my god, wow, like a detective thing. Doesn't yeah. he play, Oh my god, he doesn't he play with like toys? Like doesn't he have little action figures or robots? That's big, fool. What are you talking about? No, no, no. In Big Fix, he's a detective, and doesn't yeah. he carry around like these little Transformer bots? Or they're toys. I don't know if they're his kids or something. He has kids, and it's a big part of the movie. And I think he later gets caught with I don't. You know what? That's all. I have a vague memory of Richard Dreyfus with these these action figures. And that's you might all be right. I don't remember the movie very well. Like I only remember this one thing about it. And you'll go. You'll probably go. I don't remember that. I remember he had, a, he had his, his, his arm in a cast for the whole movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, That does sound familiar. And every time someone asks how he broke his arm, he gives them a different story. Mm. So, yeah, these highway patrol guys. It's kind of like Heath Ledger's Joker. Right. But Dreyfus here. <laughs> and at the end, you find out that he broke it on a, like riding his kid's skateboard. Oh, that is he awesome. He the end of the movie, and they're all, no, Dad, you're going to break your other arm, you dumbass. And he's all, ah, I got this. And then you hear him go, whoa, shit. Like he breaks his arm at the end of the movie. You know, I do remember that. I, do, I definitely remember that, Kelly Wan. Wow. I love that. Man, I haven't thought of that movie in forever. It's got an incomprehensible, like, convoluted plot. Like, it's it's more, it's denser than Chinatown, almost. Like, what? <laughs> MacGuffin? What? Who? What? What? Well, but I love that cast. How does it hold up next to Maltese Falcon? Way better, because the Maltese Falcon's not even real, but the cast is real. <laughs> well, that, to me, is the standard for dense uh, plots. I don't, I don't think anybody can uh, penetrate the plot of Maltese Falcon. Dingus, back me up on this. No, you're thinking of uh, the Chandler one. Big Fix? <laughs> <laughs> this is the worst podcast ever. Uh, the Big Sleep. <laughs> big sleep. But there's only one thing in The Big Sleep. It's uh, one character's death. No one knows who killed him. Like I think the chauffeur dies. And they, they wrote Chandler and went, wait, who kills the chauffeur? And he's all, uh, wait, what? And I read it last year, and I was all, yeah, who does the kill chauffeur? You know, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I was gonna say I'm pretty sure I could parse Chinatown for someone. Like I could explain what happens in Chinatown. I don't think Chinatown's that tough. Right, right. No, I like trying to break them down. But um, but sometimes you just don't care. Like right. in the fight. <laughs> but in the big fix too. Like I was too young to give a shit about why people were doing stuff. Like I just wanted to see Richard Dreyfuss shoot some people in a shark cage. Well, Quint didn't well, help. Build. It must have been post Jaws, then, right? Yeah, and he's right. Richard Dreyfuss is really funny at it. It was like, it was like I think right after Jaws, he's not. Man, I even remember like Goodbye Girl. Like there was a string of movies that I saw, didn't understand, made no sense to me, but I saw them because someone from Jaws was it was in it. Uh, and, you know, Goodbye Girl is this sappy Neil Simon thing. Uh, I like the long 
Oh, wait, that's, yeah, no, no, The Long Goodbye long, Girl. <laughs> the Long Goodbye Girl. The Raymond Chandler romantic comedy. The Big Long Goodbye Girl, Alski. Uh, uh, Dingus, is the big fix a fixture in your childhood? Uh, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> so. All right, Dingus, we're assigning that to you uh, for your homework this week, is watch Big Fix and let us know if we need to resee it. No, thanks. Dingus, do you have a... Another running gag from, oh, say, Hudson Hawk that you would like to tell us so. about. So here's the deal, Kelly Wand. I, I remember the thing he's talking about with the music in Hudson Hawk where they do this song for the heist, but I don't remember what other running gags are in there, so I don't know where I, he's going. Weren't they diamonds and not crystals? Diamonds are in a lot of bad movies. Is that true, Dingus? Were these diamonds or crystals? No, no. Uh, what's happening is they're trying to recover this crystal, this one crystal, that uh, works for Da Vinci's alchemy machine, okay, but it's right. it's this little this little puzzle. So that so that uh, Da Vinci has this crystal and he takes it apart and it looks like a little Rubik's cube kind of. You have to put it together in a certain way. Kind of like uh, let the right one in. And Hellraiser, exactly. <laughs> the American language remake. All right, Dingus, what is your it, number it, one it. choice? And maybe maybe you have a line for it. And hopefully it's Andy McDowell sounding like a dolphin. Go. Uh, it is not. It is not a dolphin line. This is the line. It is not a spoken line. I would have to read it for you. And here it is. My name is Kit Kat. This is not a dream. Oh wait, wait. I have no idea. I'm so glad I haven't seen Hudson Hawk in the last however many years. Why do you hate Hudson Hawk, you bastard? Because it's bad. It's terrible. It's like. Ugh. But it's weird. Yeah, it's, you'll bad. never see it again. You'll never see another Hudson Hawk. You'll never see another Watchmen. You'll never see... You'll never see another Howard the Duck. I know. I know these things, and I'm glad so, for that. But Hudson Hawk's got, like, kind of high energy levels. Like, Bruce Willis seems like he's kind of digging it. And it's for that. I'm sure, I'm sure Bruce Willis is probably digging G.I. Joe 2 as well. I'm not going to see that. I discovered Hudson Hawk on video to make fun of it, and I was totally, like, dingusing on it. Like, dude, this movie's way better than people thought. Well, I'm glad at least one of us on this podcast means well. Biggest. <laughs> all right. So, what is this Kit Kat? I'm a dream thing that you that you're uh, on I'm about. Back up there. <laughs> uh, I love. I, I am. I love watching Hudson Hawk. So the so uh, the CIA guys are all named after candy bars, and Kit Kat is played by David Caruso, and David Caruso's oh. character dresses like other people, and he only communicates with these little white cards that he'll snap up. And the first uh, first thing he does, he shows Bruce Willis his card, and, and his card says, I'm Kit Kat, this is not a dream, and then he smacks Bruce Willis. And later he snaps a card that shows, uh, beware the blue wire, and he's dressed exactly like Bruce Willis. And then he dresses exactly like Andy McDowell during her scene, and then he's, he's this statue when he's supposed to be in the back of a scene. Uh, he's just this uh, Greek statue, and then he gets killed, and all of these cards spill out of his pouch. And he snaps one up to her, and it says, "I've always liked you." And um, and that's the that's the running gag. These little cards that he has, and that's the only way he communicates. And this is David Caruso, as far as I'm concerned, at his best. Mm, I have two words for you, Dingus. Session nine. Ooh, you got me. <laughs> Jade. It sounded a little disingenuous, but I think you might have you might have actually meant it to be genuine. Uh, no, I I love him in this. He's just not doing anything, and when he's behind Bruce Willis, dressed as Bruce Willis, aping Bruce Willis, you just see this 
thing. He's just free. He's just doing this free thing, and Bruce Willis smacks him in the face, and he goes, yeah, he just does this thing with his face, like, yeah, I deserve that, and then he shows him the card. I love that running gag of those cards in Hudson Hawk that David Russo has. Hearing you describe this makes me think of two things that I think are widely loathed. One is David Crusoe, and the other is mimes. <laughs> Very good. Uh, you know, I watched, uh, I love, I, you know, I know you hate Hudson Hawk, that's fine, but I freaking... I love that movie and I watch it and it just makes it fills me with joy and Richard E. Grant makes me laugh my head off. Yeah, he's funny in it. And Sandra Bernhardt's in it, right? Yeah, and she's funny too. And she's weird. funny in it. The movie and is it's, weird and it's overbearing. It's weird yeah. I like that movie the second it started. I'm like, wait, Leonardo da Vinci's in this movie? How baked am I? There's going to be singing Leonardo da Vinci? Fuck yeah. Woo! I was totally with Dingus. All right, I've I've stumbled into the I Love Hudson Hawk podcast. I did not know I was up for that today. Oh, better than Armageddon. Better than Armageddon. Oh, Armageddon. don't even go there. Do not even uh, go there. Uh, Armageddon wishes it was Hudson Hawk. There is, there, no, no, no. There, there's craft and pacing and energy and actual good performances with gravity in Armageddon. None yep. of that is in Hudson Gravity Hawk. is totally... Uh, it works completely uh, falsely in that movie as uh, NASA nope, science. Nope, point. Billy, Billy Bob they Thornton. They that to NASA recruits, like, find 200 things wrong with this movie scientifically, as opposed to Hudson Hawk, where there's zero. Ha-ha. <laughs> there's zero things wrong scientifically. Dingus just explained these, these TARDIS crystal container things. Yeah, there's... that's science. They're learning people, <laughs> kids are learning geom- geology, <laughs> geometry, you know, study rocks. Just trying the rocks. All right, you know what? Uh, there's this long-running feud between Johnny Carson and Edward Man about whether pigs are smarter or horses. We have now found our podcast equivalent, where you yahoos are going to go on about how Hudson Hawk is great, and I'm going to have to defend Armageddon. The gauntlet has been thrown down. Uh, I'm going to do some research, and, and we'll get back to this. Is right. Dingus the tiebreaker? No, because you guys both like Hudson Hawk. It's two to that one. I, I can take. I, no, I can take it because Armageddon is that good. Dingus is Hudson, or is Armageddon good? No. Yeah, Armageddon. Armageddon can easily withstand two people who like Hudson Hawk easily. No. Let me ask you this: Does Hudson Hawk open with narration of with Charlton Heston narrating the end of the Earth? No. Uh, That was Morgan Freeman. (laughs) How dare you? That's that's unconscionable. It's Troy Paris. That's racist. And uh, does does Hudson Hawk have Peter Stromari as a wacky cosmonaut? Nope, don't think if so. If William Fickner was in, was in Hudson Hawk, I'd like it a little more, though. There you go. Does Hudson Hawk have Udo Kier as a psychologist? I don't believe it does. Remember Danny Aiello? Never mind. <laughs> Talk to Angus. All right, Kelly Wan, let me, let me see how I did for this, for my number one uh, choice for a running gag. I'm you so far. Well, no, no, no. Let's see if this one works. I actually had two. From this movie, uh, I had to settle for one of them. I'll give you. I'll give you my second. My runner-up from the same movie in a moment. But here we go. Dalmatian mice in the Royal Tenenbaums. Is that a quote? What's no. the movie? <laughs> They're Dalmatian mice. Uh, ben Stiller's character, when he's a kid, he like genetically engineers Dalmatian mice, and they appear at little points throughout the movie. And they're oh, just literally—they literally took mice and they just drew little dots on them, and they're really cute, and they're running around. That works, right? Yeah, the mice and Babe count too. If you want to use the, <laughs> it sounds like you're just begrudgingly allowing me this one. Mm, well, compared to the Doodle, which is. <laughs> 
the opposite. Oh, that's great. Well, here's so the other one, which is more akin to the doodle, and it's not a running gag so much as a gag sprint, is there's a point. I remember seeing uh, Royal Tenenbaums, and there's a point where Gene Hackman says, "Where's my javelina?" And I don't. I didn't. When I saw Royal Tenenbaums, I had no idea what a javelina was. Like I, I think there's some weird like. Uh, like butter spread or something called javelina. I don't know. I didn't know what javelina was. And then later in the movie, there's a point where he walks into a game closet with all these like classic family games, like board games in the shelves. And he says, oh, there you are. And he picks up this boar's head, like a stuffed boar head, like a hunter shot it. And, had it. and he's like, oh, there you are. And he carries it out and he hangs it up. And I think I later realized, uh, you know, that's a javelina. Javelina is a, a kind of a pig. So that was going to be my other running gag is the missing Hena. Uh, no? Well, okay, and that, that's I went with the Dalmatian mice. That's a callback, but not a running gag. Well, the problem is, Kelly, that you said running gag or callback. That's true. And Tom, that's Tom, I think Tom fixed on callback. Victory! Kelly Wan, you owe me another five bucks. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> But I said callback only to explain what a running gag was. But I did leave, I did leave it open ended, so I am a fool. But Tom, you know what? I don't think Tom knows the difference still. So in a way, <laughs> if we redid the list and I said, "All right, only running gags, not callbacks," he wouldn't change anything. Jackie Treehorns. <laughs> he doesn't know. Hmm. <laughs> Tom, when you never mind. Do you have a Sony Philips Betamax or um? DHS? I have an eight-track player. Interesting. Do you like Deep Impact, too, the one where they hold the baby? Oh, good lord, no, how dare you? Deep Impact uh-huh. is horrible. Deep Impact uh-huh. is... <laughs> Why are you going, ha-ha? No, well, no. It's a difference. The same so, movie. So let me ask you this, Kelly Wand. How many imitators are there of Hudson Hawk? Zero, because everybody knows Hudson Hawk sucks. How many imitators are there of Armageddon? At least one, because it's a good movie worth imitating. Ugh. See, you really... No, see, so, another, yeah, a movie where there's a hundred different ver- versions of it. Pick one, as opposed to an original vision. Visionary. Michael Lehman? Was that the director? Yeah. Michael Lehman, the actor? Chances. You're, bo- you're bad-mouthing taking chances. You're like, oh, fuck that. You should just be conventional. Kelly Wan, you know who else took chances? Adolf Hitler. Yeah. Right. He just tried to do something different. <laughs> I'm sorry I, I godwinned our debate, but I wanted to get to Dingus's number one choice. For a right, well, gag. Oh, no, no, wait, wait. Kelly number one. one. Kelly Wan, what's your number one choice? Vegas has six more Hudson Hawk ones, though. So. <laughs> I'm sure he does. Uh, but Kelly Wan, what is, as the guy who picked this topic, what is the best running gag in a movie? My favorite running gag is in a movie uh, <laughs> that I don't think you guys saw called Deuce Bigelow, which isn't very good. Um but there's a running gag where he has a jacuzzi he's sitting in periodically during various montages, and Eddie Griffin's sitting in the jacuzzi with him, and every time Eddie Griffin somehow manages to spill food in the jacuzzi, like really languidly, accidentally. It's like the pizza toss in Breaking Bad, your least favorite show, Tom. It's like accidentally spilling food. And uh, at one point, it's an ice cream cone, and then he eats it. He, like, licks it. So it's like the actor is eating chlorine to entertain me, which I like. And also another one is uh, nachos. So that's my favorite running gag, Eddie Griffin's jacuzzi. Mm, okay, well, there's yeah. another gag where 
he plunges toilets to rescue fish, and at one point he plunges out a poo and puts it in the and like lands in the fishbowl, and he hands it to a kid. I think I imagine that actually. Forget that. I I'm I'm disappointed you couldn't come up with something from MacGruber, but because you said all of yours are from bad movies, I kind of understand. Dingus thinks it's a bad movie. We can't Wait. expect Dingus to understand MacGruber. Running gag in MacGruber though. Uh, uh, Val Kilmer's name. Yeah. It's true. Well, is just saying it a, a gag, though? Or is it just dialogue? That's just the first one I hit on. I'm sure there's better running gags in MacGruber. Uh, Kristen Wiig not wanting to swear. Repeat him. What? In your In your butt. Your butthole. Yeah. Any gags are... Val Kermo doesn't want to listen to Kristen Wiig. See, Dingus, here we are loving MacGruber. Don't you feel left out? Big seeds. See, Tom stole me away from you. <laughs> oh, Hudson Hawks, one thing, but MacGruber. <laughs> but I do like, the Deuce Bigelow one is like, I don't know. I am impressed by physical comedy when done. When people have tried it, like when someone bangs their toe into a door and says their nose broke. That takes real skill, I've learned, the hard way recently. And so... Well, you know, Kelly Wand, I believe Rob Schneider has a new sitcom. He uh, does? Yep. He's on something where he marries a Latino woman, and it's about the shenanigans of a white dude marrying into a Latino family. Isn't so, that Modern Family? No, Modern Family, by the way, uh, won tonight best TV show ever, I think, in the Golden Globes. So wow. what do you guys think of that? That's a running gag. There's plenty of running gags in it. It's a sitcom. That's how that works. Uh, is there a laugh track? No, nobody does. Actually, I say nobody does laugh tracks anymore, do they? Do yeah. any shows have laugh tracks? I don't know. Remember the MASH laugh track? Remember the so, one guy? I, you know, I know this is a, not the TV podcast, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll this out there and see what you guys think. I never got MASH. I don't understand what the heck was going on. I didn't find it funny. I didn't like it. Uh, I don't I don't like MASH. Is that weird? I liked it when I was a kid, but I think if I watched it now, I'd be dated. Dingus, where do you where do you stand on MASH? Did you get I after loved, MASH? I loved it when I was a kid. Absolutely. Yeah, it was great when I was a kid. But we had but no... I, we, only got, yeah, we only got two <laughs> channels. We had Alice and that. Yeah. yeah, but you guys were kids. I mean, when I was a kid, I loved Hogan's Heroes. I, mean, I never got Hogan's Heroes, so that's interesting to me. Because See? MASH to me was instantly more like, okay, I get it. I get what they're doing. But I can tell the difference. I liked Hogan's Heroes plenty. I mean, it's just goofy, no different than Gilligan's Island. But I loved MASH and felt emotionally connected to it. I remember well, seeing the, the, finale of, the finale of MASH. I remember watching it in real yeah. time. So, you know, and it Two and a half hours. Out. Yeah. All right, Dingus, in that case, what does MASH stand for? I know. Um, mobile Army Surgical Headquarters. Did Hospital. you cry when Henry Blake died? Spoiler alert. Spoiler, hello. What if I was going to start watching it again on Netflix? I remember oh. when um, when Hawkeye and Hot Lips were stuck in that room together and started kissing and freaking out about <laughs> that as a kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I you loved did. MASH. Uh, uh, I love the uh, Louis C.K. episode on masturbation that ends with him pulling up a picture of Loretta Swit and going getting down to business while some BBC broadcast about some horrible atro- atrocity in Africa is airing in the background. And <laughs> uh, that's that's my touchstone for MASH. She had a nice ass. All right. Uh, well, let's talk runners-up, by the way, for running gags. None of you picked Indiana Jones being afraid of snakes. 
Um, not a running gag. Uh, well, yeah, it is. But I mean, I think by the time by this point we were kind of. I think after Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I sort of wanted to just pretend Indiana Jones never existed. Kelly, what <laughs> an excellent callback is. Um, pretty sure. The God? Oh, what? No, the what's that? Ark of the Covenant. Are you sure? Pretty sure. That's a good callback. It's not a running gag, though. Is it a? What about when Trani goes? That's a big door. When it's a big door, that's pretty good. What about Obi Wan hating flying? Blast! I hate flying. That's a running gag. He doesn't like uh, lightsabers either. <laughs> or no, he doesn't like blasters. Uh, I didn't have runners up just because I didn't even have enough confidence in my regular picks. But uh, what runners up did you gentlemen have? Dingus, anything that wasn't from Hudson Hawk? I'm sure you had other movies that you could have put in your list, but willfully chose not to. There's this great moment uh, with this little dog named Bunny, and he's always going. She's always going after a ball, it's, and the character's always going, "Bunny, ball, ball," and the dog's always going after a ball. But that's in the movie. Oh, that's yeah, it's uh, <laughs> in Hawk apparently. Uh, oh. I and then there's this, this moment where this guy always wants a cappuccino, but that's from Hudson Hawk. So right. uh, sorry, Kelly. Wanted any runners up for you? Uh. When in Alien, the alien kept killing people. That was good. <laughs> I that, always laughed. It was certainly a callback. When they should really re-release Alien, but with the Mash laugh track, like with this I haven't kind of seen it. That, I haven't seen yeah. it in forever. But is the little kid and the sandwiches in Bad Santa a running gag? What's the sandwiches. What's the sandwiches? Yeah, He's always wanting to make him sandwiches, and at some point, Billy Bob Thornton goes, what the fuck is it with you and sandwiches? <laughs> I don't know, but I like it. Whether or not it's a running gag or a one-time gag, I think it belongs on the list. Right. Uh, uh, all right, well, in that case, uh, let's move on right. from running gags, and let's have a different 3x3 three three next week. Dingus, is your 3x3 three three next week running gags? It is not. Because that would work if it were, because, you see... The same way you did your Hudson Hawk thing. It's actually callbacks. <laughs> okay. Can I use uh, the eye patch from Living in Oblivion? Uh, well, if you want to make that your callback, that's fine. <laughs> All right. So uh, three favorite callbacks. Is that really your choice? Is that what you're it's, going with? It's really not, no. Aha. I busted you. What do you got for us? This is much more prosaic. This is your three favorite bathtub scenes. Oh, yeah. Dingus. And I'm and no showers, no psycho shit. No, <laughs> I'm no taking psycho off the shit. Table. This is this is bathtub scenes. Dingus, because Dingus does, because you know you and I are going to pick the same. I, Dingus, you want to take it off the table? Take it off the table, bitch. You take <laughs> it off the table. <laughs> I don't think many people have seen this movie though. All right. Do you even know what I'm talking about? Maybe you don't know what I'm talking about. I and don't. You don't okay. No, I do like this. Pet Summer has a good bathtub scene. Well, we'll talk about that next week, won't we? Uh, and Kelly Wand, uh, Dingus, take that uh, that David Cronenberg movie about the the rape slugs off the table. What, what uh, shivers? Oh. Can we take that off the table? Because that has a bathtub scene that's pretty gross. Armageddon, good shivers. Shit. <laughs> it's also called "It Came From Within." <laughs> Although there's more than one of them. That's oh, they came from within. Right. 
really gross bathtub scene. I, and I knew you were going to pick – you would have picked that, wouldn't you, of Kelly Wan? Sorry. They don't come from within, though. It's kind of – well, they kind they of – They end do. up within. Right. But then without. once they've – right, they start from without, they go to within, but then once they emerge from within, they have come from within. They also don't make you shiver, so that part is bad. <laughs> That's a good point, yeah. <laughs> Greatest movie ever. <laughs> if you want to reinforce that David Cronenberg is a tool, I agree. Yes. Okay. Uh, all right. So uh, next week we will do uh, bathtub scenes. Dingus, that's good. Uh, anything you want to take off the table? You sure? Besides Psycho, of course. Nope. Hmm. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll do it then. Fine. We'll have our overlapping list. I can't believe you watched Blindness today. Good lord! What are the odds of that? Uh, how great was it, though? I know, I know. Well, you know what? I didn't, I didn't get all the way through. I'm going to go back and finish watching it. But I just love the cast in that, and and Julianne Moore and Mark Ruffalo are so good. God, Mark Ruffalo's good. Uh, it's so well paced. It's the, yeah. the beginning is perfect. Yeah. Um, I, I respect what you say about the beginning of the divide. I I just love. Well, I it was such a great palate cleanser to watch Blindness again. I don't understand the objection people have to it. What objection do people have to blindness? I think the objection people have to blindness is that they haven't seen it. I just heard, I've heard people saying that, they, or I've heard people say that they just think it's vile, they don't like it, and it's 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 a tough watch, but it's beautiful. It's so well done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there you go. Uh, Dingus and I endorse blindness, Armageddon, and MacGruber. I endorse MacGruber and Hudson Hawk. <laughs> uh, what should we see next week? I'm, I, I, against all odds, I'm so psyched for this silly thing. And I know Dingus is too. Kelly Wander, you with us? Uh, on what? <laughs> you don't even know what we're seeing next week. No. Kelly Wand, next week we're seeing War Horse. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> I hope the horse fucking kills the Nazis. Uh, the face, so next guess. week, uh, it's a January release, and that bodes ill, especially with this cast. It's got a huge cast. It's Steven Soderbergh, who you would think knows what he's doing by now. Uh, an action movie called Haywire. I don't know. After three Ocean's Eleven movies, you think he'd work out all the kinks. And- <laughs> I do hate that it says on the poster uh, from the director of Ocean's Eleven. Really? It says that? Yeah, because then when I think I I see it's that, I immediately moment. think, oh yeah, and also Ocean's Twelve. Oh yeah, and sexualized <laughs> video too. Oh, yeah. From the maker of Shivers. Well, as far as promoting it, you know, an action movie, you want to think. You don't want to bring up Sex, Lies, and Videotape or that Kafka movie. From the director of Armageddon. <laughs> there you go. They, they wish they could say that. Yeah. Uh, so if you're out there listening, see Haywire. Join us next week. Rate us on iTunes. Uh, Kelly Wan, someone took in earnest your offer to uh, – the, they would give us one star. If you are going to, if you will go to their house and do a synopsis, they will rate us one star. Someone rated us one star, and Kelly Wan, they're expecting you – to go to his house and do a synopsis. So I'll let him touch base with you about setting that up. Uh, but if you're listening, please rate us on iTunes. That's your first order of business. Second order of business, see uh, Haywire. Third order of business, join us next week. Uh, I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian K- uh, Kowalski. It's Christian Murawski. Mm, I was close. And Kelly Wand. What's the fourth order of business? Uh, Kim Basinger. Ah. I don't even know her. (laughs) 
Okay. How did you find this song? Tom, this is from Tom's record collection. <laughs> he keeps him in a shelter along with his... They talk about nuclear war. Listen, he's going to say nuclear war. It's, listen, hold on. Here you go. Wait. See? Oh. It's relevant. Right. It's topical. Not saying nuclear war. Nuclear war. You guys bummed at all there wasn't a nuclear war? Like, it solves a lot of problems. Like, keeping the gene pool pure. <laughs> oh, if you enjoyed this podcast, give us a two-star rating, and Tom will tell me to do something. Dingus, thoughts? Do you like apricots? <laughs> huh. <laughs>